I want to begin this morning by thanking Dr. Reggie for the opportunity to be here in his absence as he is away for a few days with his family. But I also want to start this morning by saying thank you from Rolling Hills for all that you have done individually and as a church, as you have come alongside countless hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh, what a year it has been uh, for us as a ministry. But it would not have been possible without your generosity. Uh, we ended up in Beaumont with most of our equipment. Many of you are aware of that. And during our activation after Hurricane Harvey, Volunteers, uh, some of you from this church, worked with us over several weeks, and during that time, we prepared over 180,000 meals in cooperation with the Salvation Army that was distributed in the Beaumont area. Just recently, in fact, in the last two weeks, we have, again, because of the generosity of you and others like you, been able to uh, uh, carry another $39,000 in preloaded gift cards to the victims down along the Texas coast. And so I say thank you from the bottom of my heart today for your generosity and your giving spirit as you invest in the lives of hurting people. Now, several of you, and this is the final thing I'm going to share on this, but several of you have asked, what about Monroe? When's the store opening? Uh, you're aware that we're opening a ministry center in Monroe, and we're excited about that. It'll have educational and job service opportunities as well as a, a thrift store. And uh, God willing, we're going to have that thing open before the end of the year. Uh, we're going through a major inspection tomorrow, and then we'll begin to outfit it and get it ready to open. And I appreciate your support for that. A few weeks ago, I was studying my Sunday school lesson, and a verse stood out uh, as I was studying out of Psalms chapter 116. And as I looked at that verse, it really caught my attention because it's, I know how crazy life can be. And we get so caught up in life and, and, and going at such a rapid rate, God really just kind of put the brakes on for me and made me begin to think, when is the last time or how often do I thank God for his blessings? Blessings both big and small. Do I take for granted what God does for me on a daily basis? I thought of an example that I think we do sometimes take for granted, some of the big things that God does. For example, this morning right now, you're sitting still in a pew, but you're really not because the earth is spinning on its axis at over 1,000 miles an hour. And in 24 hours, the earth pulls off a celestial 360 as it hurls through space at over 67,000 miles an hour. And so if you get to the end of the day and you say that uh, I really didn't do anything today and I didn't go anywhere, actually you traveled over one and a half million miles. <laughs> if that's not miraculous, I don't know what is. But I think while we just take that for granted that God's going to take care of us like that. I don't think any of us would come to the end of the day and pray, Lord, uh, I wasn't sure we were going to make a full rotation today. Thanks. We just take for granted God's blessings and his care. And the ultimate irony is a lot of times we believe God for the big things and then we don't recognize or thank him for the smaller blessings in life. It may not be as big as what's happening with planet Earth today as we hurl through space, but I know beyond a, uh, a shadow of a doubt that there are people and events and things on a daily 
basis that remind us of God's love and God's blessings. And every day should be a day that we stop and give thanks for what God's done in our lives. I think it's so important that we live life from the perspective of a thankful heart. I'm reminded of what Paul said, and as we were, I was reading the tidings this week, I think Reggie even mentioned it in his column, in everything give thanks, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, there are many today that will give thanks, but it's really not from the gratitude of what God has done for them necessarily or from the perspective of a thankful heart. A lot of people will give gratitude today to God and, and see it as an investment. In other words, they, they see the blessings of God and they want those blessings to continue and they feel like in their, in their minds, okay, I need to stop every now and then and thank God, otherwise he's going to cut off the blessings. A lot of the world religions other than Christianity are, are religions of appeasement to God, of trying to keep their God happy. And, and it kind of goes in the same line of thought that if they don't do certain things, then their God will cut off their blessings. But that isn't the view of Christianity. The Bible tells us that our thanksgiving, our grateful hearts, should be an overflow or an outflow of all that God has done for us on a daily basis. Then we begin to realize that our thankfulness is not centered on what we have done, but it's centered on what God has done. We don't have to look any further than the book of Psalms to really begin to pick up on what I'm trying to share with you today at this season of the year, and that is how important it is for us to have a thankful heart. Many of the Psalms were written from the perspective of giving thanks kind of on a community level, of things that everyone could enjoy. And, and, and when I'm saying that, I, I could say I guess that's the fact of, of, of earth hurling through space and the heavens that God has created and the rain that he sends to us and the sunshine that he provides for us. But a lot of the psalmists wrote from an individual perspective where they reflected in their hearts individually what God was doing and had done in their lives. Today our focus will be on Psalm 116, but to lay the groundwork for that psalm, and I don't want to scare you time-wise, but we're going to start in 113. And we're going to look at just a few selected verses across 113, 114, and 115. Actually, Psalm 113 through 118 is, is a grouping of the psalms that is our focus. It is, it is a grouping called the Hallel. It is a Hebrew word which means praise. And these psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, were recited or sung by the children of God as they celebrated Passover, Jewish festivals and events like that. And they were recited verbatim, word for word, and they were sung. Because every year they were commanded by God to gather together and to remember and to celebrate and to worship God for what he had done, how he had rescued them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. As we look at these songs, they are songs of gratefulness. They are songs of overwhelming praise that God has set them free. And while they might apply to us in a different way today, we need to understand that the message of thanksgiving that they so give us in their words is very important for us today. 
Because our bondage that we have been freed from today is not the bondage of Egyptians, but what we have been freed from today is the bondage of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a freedom that is found only in Jesus. So let's start this morning, if you have your Bibles, look at Psalm 113, and we'll begin reading just a couple of verses there in Psalm 113, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore from the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. This psalm was the perfect place to start. Singing it from the top of the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem, they would have had a view of the skyline from east to west, and they begin by saying, praise the name of the Lord, a joyful proclamation of who God is, a proclamation of God's character, praising the Lord above all others, praising Him above all other gods realizing that he alone is God, realizing who he is and his identity and his power, he alone is Yahweh. Other nations would boast of gods, but the Bible tells us here there is only one God, there is only one Yahweh. And so as we read the beginning of these praises, it says from the eastern skyline to the west, all visible from the Mount of Olives, that all of earth was worthy of God's praise. We need to understand not only is all of earth worthy of God's praise, but so is heaven. Why? Because he is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is our savior. He is our master. He is king. Psalm 114, see how fast this is going? You were worried. (laughs) Begins in verse 1. When Israel went forth from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. And so we begin to see in Psalm 115, I mean 114, how the people continue to praise God for what He's done. That all of creation praises God for what He has done and who He is. Can you even begin to get a picture here of the thousands of worshipers that would be streaming into Jerusalem singing and reciting these praises just as we've sung this morning? What a beautiful sight to behold as they're recalling the history of what God has done for them in His salvation. In one fourteen, we skip down to, to, to verse 7, and in verse 7 we read, they have, uh, as, we're, as we're looking at this, he says, Tremble, O earth, before the Lord, before the, uh, the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water and the, and the flint into a fountain of water. So we see God's power, we see creation stand in awe of who He is. But let's look very quickly at God's salvation through a New Testament lens. Just like God rescued His children from the bondage of slavery, 
do we really see and remember how God rescued us and brought about our salvation? Do we take time to celebrate what Jesus did for us as we sang about this morning? Do we see on a daily basis how God moves in our lives? In these verses we're reading, the Jews are recalling their rescue from Egypt, but we need to understand something. This wasn't a a once-in-a-lifetime event. This went on annually for them. So God so convicted my heart, David, when is the last time you really took time to thank me for all the blessings that I have given you in life? All the joys that you have. But the writer wasn't finished. In Psalm 115, Psalm 115 is a contrast of those who try to build idols and the makings of their own hands and the futility of all of that and how their focus should be on the one true living God. The psalmist continues, and as we look at this, it would have been so easy for the people to have put their focus in the wrong place. But in verse 1 we read, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. Why should nations say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. And then look down in that Psalm 115, skipping on down a few verses to verse 9. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. And then look and and realizing it might not be on the screen, I didn't give him these verses, but look at verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. May the Lord give you increase to you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Not only did they realize God had rescued them, they realized that God was protecting them, and they realized that God was blessing them, and for that they gave thanks. And even though this grouping of Psalms goes from 113 to 118, we're going to stop with 116 this morning and just camp there for just a few minutes because in this Psalm we see that not all celebration comes from the good times. All of us here today could give testimony that life's not easy. Every one of us here today all know that life can be hard, that nights can be long. Psalm 116 was probably sung as the people descended the mount and as they streamed into the city, they would probably walk past the cemetery. And so we begin reading in Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord because he hears He hears my voice and my supplications because he's inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live. 
The cords of death encompassed me, and the terrors of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you, for thou hast rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. We can sense how the mood changes in this psalm. We can sense a different feel as the writer begins to talk about life. And he acknowledges that God hears him in his time of trouble and that God is compassionate and his protector and that while he is weak, God will be strong. Look again at how this psalm begins. I love the Lord. Those words, I love the Lord. Actually, this psalm is divided into two parts. The first part is where the psalmist or the writer is realizing how God loves him and protects him and takes care of him. The second part of the psalm is how he, the psalmist, the writer, is going to repay God or, or, or to what he's going to do with his life in response to God's blessings. These are two things that we need to focus on in our lives today. God's blessings and our response. Why was the psalmist thankful? Well, first off, we read he, right here he was thankful because God heard him. Isn't it reassuring to know that God hears our prayers? He said, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, he says, I will call on him occasionally. I'll call on him once a week. No, he says, I will call upon the Lord as long as I live. You know what the writer was saying? He was saying, when I speak, God hears me. And he listens. In the New Testament, I, I, I could pull a verse that this reminded me of where John writes, Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, what does it tell us? He hears us. We need to realize that the God who created all of the universe and the God who keeps it all under control and the God who is on the, his throne in heaven is not some way off God who doesn't hear the cries of his people, but not only did he hear, he provided his son. And as we go through life, we need to realize that he hears us and we should give thanks to God for the fact and the realization that he does listen. But second of all, as we read here in verses 3 through 6, and I won't reread them right here, but... We, it pretty well indicates that the psalmist, the writer, realizes that God rescued him and delivered him. Verse 8 brings that about. He even says it, For thou hast rescued my soul from death. 
Now, again, we don't know who the writer of this psalm is, but it very well could have been David, and, and it would have fit if it had been David because maybe David would have been remembering the painful experiences in life and maybe he would have remembered how God saved him from King Saul. But whoever is the writer of this psalm, we can totally assume with all confidence that this individual had had some hard times and painful experiences in life, that he had prayed to God, that God had heard his prayers, that God had answered his prayers, and he here is giving credit and praise to God because he firmly believes that God stepped on the stage of his life and snatched him from the jaws of death, and for that he is thankful. But the psalmist is also thankful here, and we see it in verse 8. Or actually, the close of verse 7. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. These words, dealt bountifully, literally mean that God has piled gift upon gift upon him. We need to realize that we need to be careful that we don't live with an entitlement mentality. When we receive something on a regular basis, even when it's a gift, if we're not careful, we'll eventually come to expect it. I think that type of mindset permeates the American society today. We are blessed to live in a great country. Would you agree with me? The blessings that we enjoy by living here are beyond description, especially when we look at other parts of the world. But I'm afraid that if we are not careful, we will become complacent where we don't realize what God has done for us or we do realize it, but we fail to give him thanks for it. The fact of the matter is that America seldom pauses anymore to even thank God for the simplest blessings of life. I think one reason is, is we have so much that we do assume we're entitled. Another reason could be maybe that uh, pride gets in the way. But whatever it is, I firmly believe for us to truly be thankful that we, it, it, it requires humility and faith in God of realizing that it's all His and we're just stewards. We have been blessed beyond our ability to understand. Sure, we've got problems. But a lot of times, maybe they're problems of affluence. So in the wake this morning as we enter a Thanksgiving season of all of God's blessings that he pours out upon our lives on a daily basis, what should be our response? Well, the psalmist in 116 gives us the answer. He talks about God's blessings. He, realizing, he realizes they're blessings he doesn't deserve. He sees in his heart that 
that, that there needs to be some part that he does in all of this. And he says it in verse 12, What shall I render to the Lord for his benefits to me? In other words, he's saying, How can I give thanks to God? What will prove my gratitude to God? Well, let me list two or three things very quickly. First, he expresses his thanks in verses 12 through 13 and verse 17 when he talks about what shall I render to the Lord for his benefits for, for me? I will take up that cup of, the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will offer to you, listen to this, a sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. The writer here cannot contain his desire to give thanks to God. And I believe deep within all of us, there is that same desire to give thanks to God who takes care of us. And we wonder in our own minds, how could anyone receive all the blessings that we receive from God and not be thankful? And yet we read about it in God's Word and we see it lived out on a daily basis. I'm reminded of a man, Gordon McDowell, that took his three-year-old grandson to Chuck E. Cheese. That's an adventure. When they had finished at Chuck E. Cheese's, they, they got in the car and, and Grandma was buckling up the three-year-old in the back seat and a conversation started. Now, you need to be sure to say thank you to Papa. Silence. No reaction. She said it again. Did you hear me? You need to say thank you to Papa for taking you here tonight. Again, silence. Gordon says, I ignored the conversation as long as I could, seated there in the front seat. And finally, I turned around, and here's what I said. You know, Papa enjoys doing nice things for his grandchildren, especially if they say thank you. Silence. <laughs> Did you hear, Papa? Finally, uh-huh. But that was it. No thank you. So Gordon turned around and said, are you ignoring me? To which the three-year-old responded, I'm thankful, Papa, I just don't want to say it. If we were to examine our lives, how often are we thankful, but we don't say it? We don't express our appreciation for all that God has done. In Ephesians we read, Give thanks always, for this is the thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to give thanks for all things, and that's where it gets tough sometimes. The good and the bad as God works in our lives. But the psalmist finishes here by saying, You know how I'm going to respond? I'm going to dedicate my life to God. That should be our response today. He writes it twice in this psalm and verse 14 and verse 18 when he says, I'll pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. You see, our expression of thanksgiving is more than words. It involves actions. He says here that thanksgiving requires him to fulfill, fulfill his responsibilities to God. For us, that means that we fulfill what we promised God when we said long ago that we'd put him first in our lives. Our unconditional surrender to God is our highest form of thanksgiving. I think of that verse, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. 
Thanksgiving is not just one day a year of saying thanks to God, of setting aside a certain moment out of 365 days a year, but it's a continual recognition of what God has done in our lives, and it means that we give thanks, or as one writer said, it might be better expressed not thanksgiving, but thanks living. My wife has been working on a quilt for months, along with a lot of other projects. It's unique. When we travel to see our son in Georgia now, I drive, she quilts. And it is a quilt made out of T-shirts that she has collected through the years. And all of the T-shirts, even though they're different stamps, have one thing in common. Every one of them say life is good. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have those in your closet. Bird and John Jacobs, the brothers who founded the multi-million dollar Life is Good t-shirt company, grew up the youngest of six children in a lower middle class home in Boston. When the brothers were in elementary school, their parents were involved in a very serious automobile wreck. The mother walked away with some broken bones, but the father lost the use of his right hand. Through the pain of that loss, through the therapy that followed, they write that their father developed a very harsh temper. And they explained in their book, Life is Good, that he did a lot of yelling when we were in grade school and life wasn't perfect and there were a lot of times in our home that difficult things were happening. But their mom, Joan, still believed that life was good. So every night around the dinner table... She would sit there with her six kids and she would ask them to tell her of something good that happened to them that day. They went on to say as simple as mom's words were, they changed the energy in that room. Before we knew it, we were focusing on the best and the funniest and the most bizarre part of, uh, of the day. What they were doing is they were living life from the perspective of a thankful heart, even in trying circumstances. She went, they went on to say, growing up with a mother like theirs, who sang in the kitchen and told animated stories and acted out children's books for them, no matter how bad the situation they were in, taught them an important lesson that being happy was not dependent upon circumstances. He writes, she showed us that optimism is a courageous choice that you make every day, even in adversity. It's Thanksgiving, but it's not one day a year. It's every day of the year. You see, in order for us to be thankful, it should be a part of our everyday life. And we need to discipline ourselves and maybe sometimes change some habits so that we can realize as each day draws to a close, whether it's around the dinner table with our family or wherever it might be, that we are thankful and we express thanks for what God has done in our lives because, it, again, I say this, it's not thanksgiving, it's thanks living. Will you pray with me? Father, as we come to the close of this service at this season of the year, I would pray today that all of us would just take a moment in our hearts and our lives and realize even through the toughness and the hardships of life,
that we have so much to be thankful for. Father, I would pray blessings on this time of invitation that we would use it to examine our lives. And Father, if there's one here today that needs to make a decision concerning salvation, the greatest gift they could receive, or just giving thanks for what you've done in their lives or being a part of this fellowship, whatever it might be, Father, we ask your will be worked in our lives. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.